I had burned to a crisp, I think, by trying to take care of everybody else except myself. And in recovering through those years, I learned self-care. Welcome to the Mama's Motivational Messages podcast, where women learn to stop putting themselves on the back burner and start paying attention to caring for themselves first so they can be better for everyone else in their lives. I know you'll be inspired by the stories of resiliency and starting over, of health and self-healing, of gaining clarity through journaling, of showing self-love through world travel, and the list goes on. I encourage you to relax and enjoy. I'm your host, Peggy Kirkland, PK. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad that of all the things you could do with your time, you decided to join us for another episode of Mama's Motivational Messages. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode of Strategies and Techniques for Making Yourself a Priority. Our guest today is Susan Landers, MD. Susan is a neonatologist who has spent 34 years taking care of critically ill newborns. She's also the author of So Many Babies, My Life Balancing a Busy Medical Career and Motherhood. I'm sure you're eager to find out how someone in such a high-pressured career with a husband in a similarly high-pressured career as a physician learned how to make time for herself while raising three children. Welcome to the show, Susan. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. It is a pleasure to be here and to be on your podcast. I grew up in South Carolina in a typical home. My mother worked as an elementary school librarian. My dad sold pharmaceuticals. I was one of four children. And I went to all public schools. My husband was also a physician, and um, I entered marriage and my working life as if I could handle everything that would come in my path. I had my first child within a year of being married, and that's when I learned that I was not a perfect mother (laughs) and that I had lots to learn about being a mom, especially being a working mom. And uh, I kind of learned as I went. So my husband wanted to take this new job in a new city. And my job there was not what I had hoped it would be. It was way more night call, way more work. And of course, there was the Brand new city, brand new schools, brand new neighborhood, left all my friends behind, adjustment. It was a huge, huge adjustment for me. And I had just turned 40, and I did not do very well our first couple of years in the new city. And so I think... Peggy, what happened to me then was a kind of a 
working mothers burn out. My job was too intense. My husband was having a great time in his. I began to resent his happiness. My kids were doing fine. They were in a nice little private school, and I got to know their teachers. And I had enough uh, time to make it to school functions and soccer games and swim meets and things like that. But I was very, very unhappy in my job. And this particular setting uh, precipitated for me an episode of depression, a major depression. Um, And I had to pull back, get therapy, take medication, and take stock of the priorities in my life. And it was that time that I think I really learned how to assess the importance of each child, my marriage, my work, my friendships, my family, and what was left of me. Um, I had burned to a crisp, I think, by trying to take care of everybody else except myself. And in recovering through those years, I learned self-care. I heard you in another podcast mention that self-care is kind of a buzzword right now, but it is a crucial buzzword. At least I learned that it was crucial. I had always put myself on the very bottom of my list. I had always taken care of everything that had to do with my kids or my husband and always left too little time for my own well-being. So the first thing I want to say is yay for public schools. As a public school educator, I want to say yay. I'm so happy to see uh, and to be talking with a product of public education. So you entered your marriage as a superwoman, so to speak. And then you find out that you have uh, your first baby and you're not a perfect mother. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yes. Since I finished my training before I got married, and even wrote a paper or two, I thought that I had a professional identity and I was good at my clinical work. And so my image of myself as a practicing physician was already pretty solid um, when I got married. And I felt like I could do anything. And Uh, My husband was also in academic medicine, and he was very supportive of me working full-time. So it was not until having a child and learning about that process of you can't be with your child um, 24-7. You have to choose when you work and choose when you're at home and ask other people for help, and recognize what you know and what you don't know. And you have to learn that support 
from your friends, from your family, from your spouse is crucial to surviving. I think it took me the first few years of my marriage to learn that. And I was really lucky to have good friends who were also pediatricians and also having babies. And so we compared notes and we asked each other questions. And I felt the support of my mom group. Uh, my husband was always very supportive of me working full time. But I didn't know how it would feel to work a 50 or 60 hour week in the hospital and then go home and feel like I had to entertain a toddler for a couple of days. Mm. You know, I was exhausted at the end of a work week. And then my toddler wanted every bit of me and I wanted him to have a, you know, an on, on the ball mother who was awake and happy. And so adjusting to those differences, I found very challenging. I had to learn how to take naps. I had to learn how to exercise regularly and take care of myself. I learned at that time that I loved to play with children, both my first two kids. And we got outside, we went to the park, we played ball, we rode bikes, we did everything outside. And that kept me happy and level-headed. And my work in Houston was not overwhelming. It was a good amount of work, sometimes 50, or 50 hours a week, sometimes night call once or twice at night during the week, but it was not overwhelming. And so I felt during those first seven years that I was learning how to manage everything in my life. I had not left anything behind, and I was taking care of myself. I'll tell you another wonderful thing that happened to us as a couple. A minister at my church, who was also a psychiatrist, started a support group called Healing the Healers. And husbands and wives who were in medicine met together every other Sunday afternoon. We did this for three years, and we talked about things that were important to us, our marriage, our children, our parents, um, what issues we were dealing with. That was the most helpful group that I have ever been a member of in my entire life. To hear other working moms, other doctor moms, other doctor dads talk about the issues they had with their children and with their parents was so reassuring. And I learned early on that having connection and community and a group that you feel supported in is crucial for women who work, especially professional women, uh, because I think we put ourselves out there. And in doing that, you have to be able to feel the support of others who believe in you. So <laughs> you certainly did unpack that. Um, and in doing so, I've heard many strategies and techniques that any mother or, or woman who's experiencing the um what it takes to balance a career 
and your life at home, I've heard many strategies that you've mentioned here. For example, you talked about asking for help. You Mm -hmm. talked about getting support. Mm -hmm. You talked about taking naps, and that's an interesting one, especially (laughs) have newborn. You talked about exercising regularly. You talked about getting outside and how that made you feel happy and and helped you to learn how to manage. And a critical piece as well, you talked about counseling sessions. Would that be the right term? Counseling sales. Your minister. Mm -hmm. And then connection with the community that also offers support. Now, are those um, the things that you would say, would you agree that that's really the beginning of making yourself a priority when you're in this type of situation? Exactly. It was the beginning for me and a good solid foundation of how it is necessary to fill up my cup before I can pour out myself and take care of others. Could you please say that again for our listening audience? I learned in the first seven years of my marriage, being a mom to three children and being in a healing the healer group, that I had to do things that would actively fill up my cup so that I could take my full cup and pour out parts of myself to take care of others. I learned how to do things that filled up my cup. I asked you to repeat that because I think it's what we talk about here on the show all the time, the importance of filling up your cup first and to use an overused analogy of, you know, putting on your mask first before trying to assist anyone else, a child or someone acting like a child. Um, We hear that all the time on airplanes. But in real life, filling up your cup, I think, is, is really critical. And especially in situations where you're in a high powered profession and many of our listeners are in high-powered professions professions though we do have stay-at-home moms as well is there a difference in terms of how you make yourself a priority i don't think so i think regardless of what you do with your time if you're serving others if you are putting yourself out in the world you have to take care of yourself in a way that there's something healthy in you to give, whether that's music or hobbies or playing with kids or getting outside or running. In Houston, I ran probably five days a week. I did the things that kept me in a good mood, uh, in a good frame of mind. I loved my work. Even though it was stressful, the things I did to take care of me managed the stress. And so I started out feeling like I had a grip on 
how to do this, having three kids and a full-time job. I learned later that I didn't have all the answers, but during that part of my professional career and motherhood, I was doing pretty well. One of the things that uh, we talked about um, before the show was the fact that you managed all of this for most of your career, and it allowed you to postpone burnout until the end of your career. Could you share what that experience was like? Because I would think that the burnout would happen during your career, but you say you were able to to put it off. Talk to us about that. Well, actually, I think I had two periods of burnout. In my 40s, after we moved to a new city, I think I got burned out as a working mom because I lost my support system. And I had a job that was too much for me. And I became overly stressed. And I started yelling at children. And I was not happy that my kids were in a small private school and it was costing a fortune. And my husband was having such a good time and I was having a bad time. And all of those things culminated in a, in a period of depression for me that took me a couple of years to recover from. And I did with medication and with professional therapy. The burnout that I had at the very end of my career was the typical physician overwhelm and physical exhaustion that doctors feel when they have seen too many ill patients, worked too many hours, confronted unhappy nurses or patients, had to give bad news to one more family. I just saw too many small babies have bad outcomes or die. And by the time I was 60, some of those complex ethical cases that I was dealing with and some of the tiniest preemies who didn't survive began to feel weighty on my shoulders. I began to feel like after 30 some odd years, I was tired of all that illness and death and bad outcomes. And and let me clarify, 95% of children who were in the NICU recover and are healthy and go home. But for that Two to five percent kind of depends on what you're dealing with. When you see bad outcomes or you see babies die and the effects that that has on their family, or when you see severe birth defects that are life limiting, or when you face ethical challenges about should therapy continue or not, those were the things that built up in my mind, and became a burden. And then I I became detached from my work and my patients. I wasn't just tired. I wasn't just emotionally overwhelmed. I became somewhat detached 
And I felt like I wasn't making a difference. I'll tell you a secret. The reason doctors love working hard is because when they do, they think they're making a difference. And when a doctor starts to think that they're not helping or not making a difference, it's very painful. And so when I was burnt out at age 62, that's how I felt, that I was no longer helping anybody. I was just overwhelmed. Now, from that burnout experience, I was so fortunate to be in a practice where I could go to work part-time. I could change my practice location to a low-risk maternity center where I worked about 35 hours a week. I didn't take night call, but about once every couple of weeks. And I started doing music lessons on the piano. I rang handbells in a choir at my church. I picked up an old hobby of needleworking. I took calligraphy courses. I met with friends and had lunches and laughed and told stories. I started journaling. What I did then, Peggy, was things that I had read about that were um, that were soothing and stress busters and mental boosts. And I started doing some of those, some I had done before and left behind, and some I had just forgotten about. And when I did all those things while working part-time, I healed from my burnout. Oh, but it took it took me two years, though, I have to confess. Okay, well, I'll tell you that um, even though I was not in the the health uh, professions feel um, that for myself and for many women that I know, this idea of feeling like you no longer make a difference is pretty common. I think it it really stretches across professions Mm -hmm. and really causes people to feel detached, like you said, and maybe... um, you know, if they're struggling, if they're not at a point where they can retire or leave that particular job, it really becomes an issue for them. Hence the need for them to take better care of themselves. And I could see how you engaged in a number of activities that helped you along the way. So I have to tell you, um, and that is really awesome. And I think the audience has a lot to gain from that. Uh, unfortunately, we're coming to the end of our our little conversation. And so I just wanted to ask you if there were one thing you wanted to leave with the audience regarding making themselves a priority, what would that be? I think it would be to monitor your mental well-being and do the things that bring you joy. Hmm. Yes. Besides your work, many of us love our work, um, and and we're fortunate when we love our work and feel like we're making a difference. But in order to do that, we have to have some sense of 
joy in our lives, whether it's through our children, our family, our friends, our husband, our partner. There's got our hobbies, our music, um, whatever we do, something has to bring us enough joy that we can maintain mental well-being to be the, the full person that we want to be. Absolutely. And I am here for it. I'm all for joy. Listen, this has been an absolute pleasure having this conversation with you. I think it's a very important one. And before I leave, before we end this uh, conversation, I believe you have an offer for our listeners today. Oh, I do. I, I wanted to recommend my book, So Many Babies, because I've got lots of stories in there about trials and challenges of being a working mom. And I intended those stories to be very reassuring to other working mothers who are trying their best to juggle everything. The offer that I have for your listeners is uh, a PDF that's downloadable from my website, susanlandersmd.com. If you go to the resources page, um, it is the first uh, link that you can click on. There's a picture there of a mom with her baby, and it's called Solutions for Overcoming Working Mom Burnout. And in that package, I list the things that I used over the years successfully to take care of myself. And that's available to your listeners for free. Awesome. That is absolutely awesome. And that information will be in the show notes so that you can access that free PDF with lots of valuable information. Susan, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you, Peggy. It's been great to chat with you. And I feel like we're on the same page about the importance of caring for ourselves. I agree completely. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. If you've been inspired and encouraged by the positive messages in today's show, please take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcast. This will help to keep the show alive. And remember, sharing is caring. So don't forget to share these gems with friends and family Strangers, too, if you like. Let them know it's available wherever they listen to their podcasts. I'm counting on you to share the love. Until next time, this is PK, sending you much light and a whole lot of love. <laughs>